Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and I am self-distancing in my own home with my two cats, Brimley and Sweetie. They may not be tigers, but they are cool cats and kittens. <laughs> and I'm wearing my hakulei of roses around my head, and I have my weaponized potato, just like the one Carol Baskin threw at her first husband during her escape. Yes, this is going to be a full rigor podcast about Joe Exotic's main nemesis, Carol Baskin. She ultimately landed him 22 years in jail because, well, he was convicted of trying to hire someone to kill her. And you've probably been quarantined in your own home and binge-watched the Netflix docuseries Tiger King. Hey, I'm Joe Exotic, the gay gun cane redneck with a mullet. Which features Carol Baskin, always a Florida connection, who owns the Big Cat Rescue Ranch in Tampa. Well... In 1997, her husband went missing, and the case is cold. Her cold, dead, missing husband has been reheated. Carol Baskin's second husband, Don Lewis, left his home August 18, 1997, and he was never heard from again. Next day, police officers found his van at a private airport and the beginning of a hunt that carried investigators from the 69-acre wildlife sanctuary to Costa Rica began, but for the most part, the case is unsolved, it's still a missing persons case, and it went quiet until the Tiger King Murder, Mayhem, and Madness docuseries on Netflix exploded. And everyone said, hey, wait a minute, when they saw episode three, The Secret, what's this thing with Carol Baskin's missing husband? There's so many sketchy details involved in his disappearance. And so many facts pointing to the possibility that Carol Baskin may have had a hand in her husband's disappearance. Nair, I say, she may have had him killed or killed him herself. May, allegedly. So let's start at the beginning. Our friend Carol Baskin, Carol Lewis, when she was married to Don Lewis, began... Uh, Years ago, in a trailer park, she grew up kind of in humble conditions. Yeah, kind of trailer trashy. Her family didn't have much money. And she says that she was raped at knife point by three men who lived across the street in the trailer park when she was 14. Now, her parents were fundamental Christians, and they believed that anybody involved in something like that, a gang rape, was asking for it. You might want to check my first Full Rigor podcast on my book, The Accuser, about Cheryl Arujo, who was gang raped on a pool table in New Bedford and ended up dead in a South Florida roadway. You might recall the movie The Accused with Jodie Foster was loosely based on her life. Anyway, so she left home when she was 14 and got married at a young age when she was 17, had a baby. And then she got into an argument with that first husband, Michael. And she says she threw a potato at his head in order to escape their home. And that's when Don Lewis found her walking along the highway in the middle of the night in Tampa. So Carol was 21 when she met Don. He was 42. He pulled up alongside her and he asked her if she wanted a ride. And she said no. She said that he did this one, two, three times. And then finally, he said, look, I've got a gun. It was on the front seat of the car. And he said, get in and you can hold the gun if you don't feel safe. Well, she got in. They drove around, she says, and they spent the night together that night. Wow. 
Don's first wife, Gladys, whom he married when she was 14, had to get a letter of permission from her parents, said that she would love him until the day she dies. And she said Don used to call Carol an angel. And Gladys said that she's an angel sent straight from hell. And she told Don, you will find out. Indeed. Well, Don was a multimillionaire and Carol was very ambitious. She wanted to go somewhere. She wanted to be somebody. And Don wanted to be loved for who he was inside, not for his money. And he didn't dress like he was a millionaire, but he always carried a $500 bill in his wallet. Who's on the $500 bill? I think it's President William McKinley. Anyway, useless trivia there. So he carried this $500 bill around and he had a green thumb. Anything he touched, he made money on. Some speculated he was worth $6 million. Others say he was worth up to $30 million. Really didn't know because he hid his money. He would actually bury money in his yard. He buried gold bars. He had money when he met Carol. And she had nothing, basically. And he had something she didn't, and she wanted it. But also, Don liked animals, just like Carol. But they had a difference of opinion when it came to how the animals should be treated. She felt that animals should be rescued, and he felt that animals should be collected. So they used to go to exotic animal auctions, and the first animal they ever purchased together was in 1992, they purchased a bobcat that was going to be killed by a taxidermist. Then they bought more from a fur farm, so that was a rescue. And in 1995, they bought their first tiger. Something very interesting about all these people, like Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin and all the others in the Tiger King docuseries, they are enamored with these big cats. There's something about these big cats that speak to them. They want to possess them. It's a weird kind of thing. Once they get in contact with them, they want to own them. So Don also had an attraction to Costa Rica because of a lack of regulations, and he also had a girlfriend there. It was easier to breed the cubs there in Costa Rica. So this really ticked Carol off because, first of all, she didn't believe in the breeding That's what she went after Joe Exotic about for breeding and having people take pictures with the baby cubs and selling those photos. She felt that that was animal cruelty. But she also thought that she was pretty enough and young enough and that Don shouldn't need another woman. But apparently, according to his ex-wife, he was a sexaholic. He always had other women. But the problem was, if Don got a divorce, Carol would lose everything, including the cats, and she would only have a house and a car, basically. And Don was preparing his estate and assets so that he could get a divorce without losing everything. He also thought that Carol was only in it, their marriage, for the money. And here's where Joe Exotic read from Carol's diary that Don told her that all the money he made on his own and brought into the marriage was his and his alone. And she wrote, I wish that there was a way out for me. So apparently she found a way out. And she was afraid that she would lose the cats, all her money, down to the house and car. It would be a devastating blow. So enter Annie McQueen. She was Don's executive assistant for years and years and years. And one day Don came to her with a funny look on his face. And he had an envelope in his hand. He handed it to her and he said, take this home. And if anything happens to me, give it to the police. And inside that envelope, she opened it up, was a copy of a restraining order he had filed in Hillsborough County Circuit Court. The restraining order said that Carol had gotten so mad she threatened to kill him. And it was the second time that she had threatened to kill him. 
It also said she was in possession of a revolver and that she had hidden his 357 Magnum. Unfortunately, the restraining order was denied. So there was no order of injunction. Don was at his wit's end. And usually, you know, he wouldn't have wasted his time going through the process of filing a restraining order with the police, but he really felt that his life was in danger, apparently. The cops say it was denied because it didn't show that Carol was stalking him, that there was any battery. She just made a verbal threat. It was a verbal argument, and there's free speech in this country. It was dead on arrival, except that she had threatened to kill him. That was a little bit of a red flag there. But it is free speech, and unfortunately... Florida, at least, doesn't restrain free speech, and they punish it after it happens. So the restraining order was denied in June, and Don disappeared in August, two months later. He was going to transport some cars to Costa Rica, and Carol said that he told her he needed to get a truck ready early in the morning because he was going, quote, early, early, early the next morning from Miami to Costa Rica. And she says that's the last she saw of him. Now, his executive assistant, Ann, kept trying to reach him after he left, but there was no answer on his cell. So she called Carol, who said, do you think I should call the police? (laughs) And Ann goes, you think? So he disappeared on the 18th and was reported missing on the 19th by Carol at about 1.30 in the afternoon. The couple had a ranch called Easy Street, which then became the Big Cat Rescue Ranch. And the police walked the multiple acres of that. They even flew over it. They did aerial surveillance. They couldn't find anything. And they eventually did find Don's van at the local airport there. The keys were inside along with his briefcase. Now, it was very strange because they felt either Don has disappeared on his own and was trying to fool police or the van could have been planted there. Police never looked at the van. When it was at the airport, it was returned to Easy Street. And then they looked at it days later and they took fingerprints from it. And one fingerprint was found and it was a fingerprint of a guy Don had hired to do some repairs on the van a few days before his disappearance. That was it. So the long-term plan was to move Easy Street to Costa Rica. So detectives spent five days in Costa Rica to see if there were any links to his disappearance. They talked to his alleged girlfriend And apparently Don was a pilot. He flew a lot of airplanes, but they were very small in size. So it would have been unlikely that he would have gotten out of that van and into a small plane and flown it to Costa Rica because it would have taken at least four stops for fuel for him to get there. There was no record, of course, of any takeoff of an airplane. There was no flight plan filed for the plane. But his wife, Carol, argued that, hey, Don lost his pilot's license the day after he got it, so he flew illegally. She also said he flew below the radar so he wouldn't be detected. Now, there was some speculation that he had gone to the airport to evaluate a new airplane that was for sale. So one theory was that he was flying the plane or he was up in the plane checking it out and he was pushed out of the plane over the Gulf of Mexico during the test flight. But it did seem, using plain analogy, that Carol was foaming the runway for a dementia Alzheimer's defense, saying that Don didn't know who he was or where he was, and he had forgetfulness. And she also wrote in a diary that she was feeling boxed in by his cheating. And again, she said, I wish there was some way out for me. So somebody wanted to get rid of Don Lewis, and they got their way. 
There's actually a very funny music video. Apparently Joe Exotic does these music videos, but it's not him singing. He's lip syncing. But the song is Here Kitty Kitty. It's actually very, very funny. There's a lookalike Carol feeding tigers meat that he alleges is the actual meat from Don's body. Joe Exotic says, in fact, it's the perfect way to get rid of a body. Feed it to the big cats. And that brings me to a former episode of Full Rigor on 101 Ways to Get Rid of a Body, just for reference. Uh, But he says that if you feed a tiger a whole turkey, no bones come out the back end. He fully believes that Carol killed Don, cut him up, and fed him to the tigers at the Big Cat Ranch. Don's own kids demanded that the meat grinder at the ranch be tested for DNA. Also, the meat freezers. It was never done. Carol said that the meat grinder wasn't big enough to put Don's hand through, but it was pretty darn big. And then they showed the meat grinder in the Tiger King video, and she said that meat grinder was a lot bigger than the one she actually had. She wasn't really happy with the Tiger King docuseries. The other theory was that Don was buried under the huge septic tank at the Big Cat Ranch. So Carol said that, hey, it was in the ground long before he disappeared, but there's still lots of speculation and karma Maybe a female dog or maybe a female cat, but it is a bitch. And Carol Baskin is again in the crosshairs of the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. They have reopened the missing persons case of Don Lewis, and they're asking for tips. So legally at that time in 1997, they didn't pursue the case because they didn't have enough evidence. No body, no crime. And Ann McQueen, that was his secretary and basically his right-hand woman, She was the closest to Don. He trusted Anne with every penny that he had. And you know that he was very, very picky with that. And she cooperated in every way. She and Carol were the only suspects at the time. So Carol's brother was a member of the Sheriff's Department, conveniently enough at the time, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. And many believe he wanted the department to tread lightly on the disappearance of Don Lewis. And Anne didn't think there was any collusion, but it was odd because the day Don went missing... Carol went to Albertson's at 3 in the morning, 3 a.m., to get milk products for the cats. She says her car broke down. She called her brother, the deputy, and was driven home by another deputy. Then she said the last time she saw Don was that morning. Also, her father couldn't stand Don Lewis, and he had his daughter's back. Her family protected her and helped her get Don's money by changing the will. After Don disappeared, Carol and her dad, Vernon, said they needed to get something in Don's office. And Anne got a call that the office alarm had been triggered and that Carol was there. She says they cut the locks on the gate, cut the lock on the office, then cut the power, the water, and the sewer to the trailer. Anne said that there were two wills and two powers of attorney under her desk in the office and that Carol took them, and there was nothing police could do to stop the wife from taking the wills from the office because she legally had access to the office. But I looked it up, and in terms of changing a will, no. A wife cannot change her husband's will even if he's missing or dead. And Anne was the executor of the wills and was officially given the power of attorney by Don Lewis. And miraculously, there was a new power of attorney prepared by Carol. The first sentence read, upon my disappearance. Now, who anticipates a disappearance? And after Don disappeared, Carol got rid of every person and everything he owned. And apparently there was even a note on the refrigerator that read, never speak that man's name again. All his assets 
went into his will and his will went to Carol. She got 90% of it. His first wife and kids got 10% of his holdings. When someone disappears, it takes a long time in Florida for them to be declared legally dead. You can't do anything for five years. And apparently, five years and one day after his disappearance, Carol got the death certificate. Now, the case is still open until they have proof, though. They can't prove that he was murdered. And a lot of things were moved around during those five years before she got the death certificate. She took property out of Don's name, put it in her name. She didn't nullify the kid's trust, though. She kept that in place. The story actually garnered national attention at the time, but Carol threatened his ex-wife and family to stop talking to reporters and Inside Edition and Entertainment Tonight because she said that she would take all their money. My question about the wills, I guess, would be they maybe they weren't recorded with the county courts because she changed them. And I know you can't change a power of attorney, so that should be looked into because that sounds illegal in and of itself. So Sheriff Chad Cronister, he's asking the public for new leads now in 2020. This happened in 1997. The case was never officially closed, but the last time anything significant happened was in 2011 when police asked Carol Baskin to take a polygraph and she refused. So tips started trickling in after the sheriff's department asked for help. Since the Tiger King documentary hit Netflix, the department has received an average of six tips a day, and the sheriff says none have been credible. Most callers offer theories on who they think is responsible for Mr. Lewis's disappearance, and many think he was killed. So the sheriff says it's still labeled a missing persons case. We don't have any type of evidence, not one piece that suggests that he was murdered or killed. The sheriff has met with the homicide supervisors and he did assign a detective to weed through all the tips. The police have not spoken to Carol Baskin and she denies any role in her husband's disappearance. In the beginning, Don Lewis seemed as likely a suspect as anybody in his own disappearance, and some people who knew him thought the eccentric animal lover might have decided to just get away from things for a while, but authorities didn't put much weight in that theory. When Lewis disappeared, he was 60, and remember, two months before his disappearance, he filed a domestic violence injunction against his wife. He told the Hillsborough Circuit judge that she threatened to kill him, but the judge didn't take that threat seriously and dismissed it, and in the days before he went missing, he was busy making business plans. He bought a plane ticket to Costa Rica where he owned a 200-acre park and he was loading equipment on a truck that was destined for Miami. I mean, he was a weird guy. He was worth millions of dollars, but sometimes he looked for food in trash bins. He could outsmart investors but never earned a college degree. He spent thousands of dollars starting wildlife on Easy Street. That's the sanctuary for exotic lions, tigers, and leopards at the end of a dirt road near the planned Citrus Park Town Center Mall. And he had dealings and connections in Costa Rica. So in court papers, Carol accused Lewis's longtime business assistant, Ann McQueen, of stealing money and putting property in her own name. She said that McQueen took out a life insurance policy on Lewis months before he disappeared. But McQueen says that Lewis, whom she worked for for 18 years, told her to take out the policy, which named her as one of the beneficiaries. Now, it's unclear whether any claim had been made or paid on that policy. It also instructed her to transfer property to different names. 
So since Don's disappearance, Carol had the whole thing computerized, something Lewis would never have done. He kept his papers in a messy pile. Nobody but him understood what was going on with the business. Now her mother and father work for her at the sanctuary. She removed the mountain of junk Lewis had collected. She also added cages with new cats, boosted the sanctuary's number of volunteers. There's like over 100 volunteers there. And now offers bed and breakfast style accommodations. Now, three times since Lewis disappeared, Hillsborough County Sheriff's detectives have called Carol when they found an unidentified body. Three times. In June, a body washed up from the Gulf of Mexico that looked at first like it might be Lewis, but it wasn't. Carol's brother, again, works for the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, and it's still believed that Don Lewis could either be under that septic tank or in the Gulf of Mexico or in a pile of tiger poop. Lewis's children even speculate that Baskin fed their father to the tigers. They say it's a perfect scenario to dispose of someone. His oldest child, Donna Pettis, told People Magazine in 1998, we were upset that the cops didn't test the DNA on the meat grinder. To this day, Baskin maintains her innocence. She says, my tigers eat meat, they don't eat people. That's what she told People Magazine. And she said there would be bones and remains of my husband out there. I'm amazed that people would even think such a thing. He was officially declared dead in 2002. Carol got 90% of the estate, as I said. But in the Tiger King docuseries, it was kind of funny because a tiger started nipping at Joe Exotic's feet, and he thought somebody was trying to kill him and had put perfume on his boots to attract the tigers. Apparently, tigers are only attracted to perfume. And what is tantamount to what some say is a confession, Baskin gave her own theory regarding how someone could be fed to a big cat. She says, if somebody wanted to kill you, then they would put sardine oil all over you. Then you'd be something that a cat wants to eat, not something a cat wants to drool on. How does she know that? So Baskin's story doesn't stop with the disappearance of Don Lewis. She spent the last two decades embroiled with Joe Exotic over different views on big cat care. Now, Joe Exotic believed that it was important for the public to interact with baby lions and tigers to get a better appreciation for the exotic animals, and Baskin clearly disagreed. Now, in 2011, the same year that they asked Carol Baskin to take a lie detector test, she also secured a million-dollar judgment against Joe Exotic and his exotic animal park. Shortly after, Joe Exotic posted public threats against Baskin on Facebook and YouTube, eventually leading him to promise to pay an undercover FBI agent $3,000 for her death in November of 2017. And following his arrest in 2018, he was later sentenced to 22 years in prison for a murder-for-hire scheme as well as for violating the Endangered Species Act for killing five tigers in 2017. So where is Carol Baskin now? She's 58. She continues to live with her third husband, Howard Baskin, at the Big Cat Rescue Facility near Tampa. She advocates to stop breeding big cats and keeping them in captivity. The facility is currently closed due to the coronavirus, but you can still see her cats on Instagram. In fact, she has more than 80 lions, tigers, bobcats, cougars, and other species. In a 3,000-word blog post, Baskin slammed Tiger King for being salacious and sensational. 
Baskin says they told her the series would be like blackfish for the big cat world, but she says it's full of unsavory lies about her relationship with Don Lewis. As for the rumor that she used that meat grinder to feed her former husband to the animals, she says that it's the most ludicrous of all lies, especially because it's hard to believe that a human body and skeleton could be put through it. She says, here's what Tiger King viewers really need to know. Don was not easy to live with, and like most couples, we had our moments, but I never threatened him, and I certainly had nothing to do with his disappearance. And Joe Exotic, the central character of the Tiger King, is currently serving a 22-year prison sentence in Oklahoma's Grady County Jail after being convicted of 17 counts of animal abuse and two counts of murder for hire. But being behind bars hasn't stopped the 57-year-old former zoo owner from filing a $94 million lawsuit on March 17th of this year, three days before the Tiger King series dropped against the federal government and Jeff Lowe, who took over the GW Zoo from Joe. According to Rolling Stone, he alleged that the government contributed to the death of his mother and that Lowe provided false statements to the feds. And just a little tidbit, as for some of the others in the series, Kelsey Safry, she lost part of her arm. It was bitten, <laughs> bitten off by a tiger. She returned to work soon after. She prefers to be called Saf and uses him and his pronouns. The Hawaii native is reportedly still working at the zoo. John Finley, one of Joe's husbands, who was also having a relationship with several women in the animal park, ended his marriage with Joe Exotic. Yes, he was one of two guys that married him in 2014. The other one, by the way, accidentally shot himself in the head. He has since fixed his teeth because every time they interviewed him in the Tiger King, he had like teeth missing. Apparently there was a lot of meth going on there and meth accumulates in the teeth and rots them. But anyway, he has now since fixed his teeth and he's working as a welder and living with his fiance, Stormy. He started a Facebook page to counter what he didn't like about the Tiger King series. And he's particularly steamed that filmmakers chose not to show him with his new dentures. And the Tiger King has another Florida connection, because there always is one. Mario Tabro, or as they say in Little Havana, Mario Tabrawi. Say hello to my little friend. Mario the Cobra Tabro was the colorful Miami drug lord who inspired Al Pacino's Tony Montana, the character in the iconic 1983 film Scarface. The 65-year-old Tabro appears in the Netflix docuseries Tiger King, Tabro is introduced in the documentary as being one of Miami's biggest ever drug dealers and the owner of an extensive private zoo, which nobody could gain access to. So he's one of those people that collects tigers and lions for his own personal satisfaction. He is a mysterious character with lots of skeletons in his closet. And like Tony Montana, he was from Cuba, one of the biggest drug dealers in Miami, and in the 1980s was a notorious drug dealer in Florida. He was the leader of a 10-year-old drug ring, which was the biggest in Miami. In fact, the Miami Herald described the gang as one of South Florida's most prolific and violent drug gangs, and Tabro was named the chairman of the board. Remember the Scarface bathroom chainsaw scene where they dismembered a guy in the tub? Well, that was based on Mario Tabro and his father, Guillermo, who were said to be untouchable at the time and had ownership over police and politicians. Instead of using a chainsaw, though, they allegedly used a circular saw. Tabro admits, I sold drugs to maintain my animal habit. Today, Mario Tabro owns a private zoo, and he's the owner and founder of the Zoological Wildlife Foundation in Miami. And nobody's ever been able to infiltrate the facilities Mario Tabro owns, which is under 24-hour surveillance and has security at the gates. 
So Netflix managed to gain access to Mario's uber-private life, and he says people like Carol Baskin use him as a poster for people who shouldn't keep animals because he's a convicted felon. But Mario argues, hey, I did my time, and now he's worth tens of millions of dollars. According to Distractify, his huge estate includes mirrored ceilings and a huge throne like Tony Montana's in the movie with his initials MT versus TM in the film. Mario used to smuggle bags of drugs inside snakes and stitch them back up after he removed the drugs with no regard for whether they lived or died. Mario Tobro was accused of covering up the murder of a police informant in 1987, the one that was cut up with a circular saw and that they based the scene in the bathtub with the chainsaw and Scarface on. He was arrested, charged in a federal racketeering indictment that included murder, drug trafficking, corruption, and obstruction of justice. The case went to trial two years later, and at the trial, Mario was accused of covering up the murder, mutilation, and cremation of the federal drug informant. The informant was Larry Nash, and Mario says that people who worked for him shot Larry panicked, dumped the body on Mario's land. Larry had been a part of the huge ongoing marijuana trafficking operation called Operation Cobra in reference to Mario's use of snakes. They decided together to cut him up and burn him. Mario claims he didn't do most of that stuff but carries the stigma for it. At the trial, it was also reported that witnesses describe how Tabro and an associate dismembered the informant's body using a circular saw after finding that a machete wouldn't do the job. I mean, anybody knows that. Then they placed it in a horse trough and burned it using charcoal and lighter fluid. Yummy. Get this, Mario was sentenced to 100 years behind bars, but won his appeal and was freed after 12 years. He's said to have been compliant with authorities and worked as an informant in prison. And similar to Carol, in 1981, Tabro's first wife, Maria, died. And in his trial, he was also accused of shooting her 10 times and killing her. Now, the two were getting a divorce, just like Carol, and Maria had threatened to expose her husband's drug dealings. The jury, however, could not agree on his guilt in this murder, and Mario was cleared. So I want to wrap up this episode of Full Rigor with a little story about Steve Sippick. He's a former actor in Tarzan films, and he had a tiger. There's another one that got exposed to wild animals and had to own them. His tiger was named Bobo, and he lived at his home in Loxahatchee, that's in Palm Beach County, out west here, in 1985. The 600-pound tiger escaped. The Bengal-Siberian mix Bobo ended up being killed by a wildlife officer in 2004. The Croatian-born Sipic first came to fame as a B-movie actor, Steve Hawks, playing Tarzan in action movies shot around the world. And then at the age of 63, he became locally famous when Bobo got outside the gates of his five-acre Loxahatchee compound in the summer of 2004. For 26 hours, the aerial and land manhunt for Bobo went on, captivating and terrorizing the people in the area. Sipic begged searchers not to harm his tiger, Bobo. He desperately wanted to be the person who found his pet but instead it was a frightened wildlife officer who fired five shots with an M4 rifle, killing the tiger and sending Sipic into a spiral of grief. My ball ball, you killed my ball ball. There was all this video of him screaming that. He constructed a memorial for Bobo on his property with a sign that read, quote, trespassers will be eaten. He spent five years fighting efforts by the state to take his remaining animals away, and a state investigation ended without an explanation for how Bobo made it outside the boundaries of seven locked gates on Sipic's compound. No one was ever charged. 
Sipik explained his fondness for big cats from a time during his movie days when a lion named Samson saved his life on a movie shoot by dragging his burned body to safety out of a flame-engulfed movie set. He said, thank God I survived this. I will care for these animals for the rest of my life. That's why he began raising lions, tigers, cougars, and leopards as pets in Loxahatchee before the state of Florida passed a law that barred residents from having animals as pets. Fortunately, his ownership rights were grandfathered in, but after Bobo's escape, FWC officers took a harder look at his facility and cataloged numerous fencing, caging, and dietary violations, causing his permit to possess the animals to be revoked. In 2012, FWC officers took away his tigers, and he was also slapped with a $50,000 bill and two misdemeanors. Sipic's friends raised money for him for his legal costs, but the loss of his cats made him inconsolable. Sipic sold his Loxahatchee property. He left behind a lot, but not his Bobo Memorial, which he trucked to North Florida, put up outside his modest home where he lived alone. Still mourning Bobo. He died in 2019. So there you have it, all you cool cats and kittens. That wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Until next time, meow. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. 